Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. If you attend here regularly, uh, you know that this is not normally the way our stage is set up. But over the last few weeks, we've been in this series called The Daniel Dilemma. And three weeks ago, Pastor Trevor started us off as we looked to Daniel chapter 1, and he really challenged us with the names that the enemy would try to use to change our identity. And we talked about really being named by and, and operating under the identity that God has given to us. And then two weeks ago, in the middle of this series, week two and three kind of joined together, we talked about the idea of really having grace and truth, how to stand firm, but also to love well, how to present what you're standing for, how to make sure as you resolve not to defile yourself that you do so in a God-honoring way. And then last week, we talked about how to take a stand. So when we first mapped this series out, which what we do is we start with a plan several months, sometimes a year in advance, and we kind of know where we're going. We pray through that and ask the Lord to help us. But we were planning to really spend some time in a totally different direction to sum this series up. But about six weeks ago, Corey and I were in the car, and as we began talking about just where the Lord had our church and really so many of the needs of our church family, uh, we both felt like that what we're going to do over the next 25 or 30 minutes was, was really the way that the Lord would have us to go. And so uh, I'm going to introduce her in a second, but I reached out to Dr. Amy and said, hey, would you be willing to help us on the last Sunday of October to really conclude this series? As we talk about a little different take on this, not looking at culture at large, but really looking at ourselves and really determining who is it that God has called me to, do, to, to be. So in this series, we've been talking about how to stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise. But ultimately, what we're looking at today is really how to, how to love myself well without compromising who God has created me to be. You know, when I think about this story of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And Daniel is able to interpret the dream for him. And so in Daniel chapter 4, verse 33, it says this. They're going to put this up on the screen for us. Verse 33 of Daniel 4 says this. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of the heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle. I wish my hair would grow like that. It's, it's actually falling out like eagle's wings or something. And his nails like the claws of a bird. And, and, and when I read that just a few months ago in anticipation, I was trying to read through the whole book of Daniel for our series I just underlined it and marked it and didn't think anything about it. But as we started talking about where we wanted to go today, I really recognized that it sounds a lot like Nebuchadnezzar's kind of lost his mind a little bit. Like he's, you know, as he's had this dream and that dream comes to fulfillment, he really kind of loses the sense of who he is. And maybe today you feel like you're in that same kind of place. Maybe you're not growing your hair out or letting your nails grow out either, but maybe you do feel like you've kind of lost your sense of self. Maybe with all the pressures of the last year or two, or maybe the last few days or weeks, or maybe, maybe a decade or more of all of the various things that have been pressurizing you from the outside, or maybe some things going on on the inside for your mind, your emotions, your, your body, you just don't feel like you are who God has created you to be, and you're trying to figure out, how do I get back to that place? How do I really get to that place? And, and ultimately, when I, I kind of think about where we want to spend our time today, I go to the, the great commandment, the words of Jesus Christ as he really was even quoting some Old Testament text. But when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22, he said this. He said, Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So obviously we're, we're called to love God with all of our mind, but we also recognize that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. 
And so we want to talk today about loving ourselves and to do so in a way that doesn't seem prideful or arrogant, but to really do so in a healthy way. So I referenced just a second ago, this is my friend. This is a member of Generations Church, her and her family for so long. Uh, But this is Dr. Amy Hollingshead, and uh, she has obviously been a great friend to our church. She's uh, helped a number of people, but she also professionally over the last 20 years or so has been serving as a counselor. Uh, She currently serves after getting uh, a bachelor's and a master's. You have two PhDs, one in counseling and one in organizational leadership, I think. Um, So she's just super educated. She'd probably tell you information you didn't even know you needed and you were missing and all that kind of stuff. But who's going to win tonight? Does that education (laughs) tell you who's going to win tonight? All right. So, uh, but she also serves currently uh, for uh, Cortland and it's a couple thousand employees and she serves as their wellness director, um, really helping to serve them and their organization just to make those employees serve better in the roles that they have. Uh, But today I just thought you would be a great resource to help us as a church family dig into just how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we love ourselves well? How do we not compromise who we are? So let me just ask you, that sounds prideful. It sounds arrogant. It sounds like, oh, you know, I'm just thinking about me all the time. What does it really look like to love yourself, and, and how does that honor God, if, if in any way? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. want to support any way I can and just really give people permission to kind of understand some of these concepts that seem a little bit foreign maybe or even uh, off the table to discuss. And so it, it's true in, in the greatest commandment, if we do not love ourselves effectively, we are very limited to the degree that we can love other people. That's good. And so we have to understand it in that format to be able to even know where to go with that. So I've been traveling a lot lately for work and anybody that's traveled, you hear the flight attendant stay, you know, in the unlikely event that we should lose cabin pressure, uh, oxygen mask will fall down. Please put it on your face first before you help those around you. Hmm. It's the same concept. If we are healthy and whole, if we have an understanding about how we're wired and what factory settings are in a human design, then we're more capable of getting what we need. It's not entitlement. It's not arrogant. Actually, the person that has the healthiest boundaries is not guarded off or walled off in any sort of self-protective stance. Hmm. It's an understanding that I need certain things, and I need to understand how those things come together so that I can serve. Um, It's important to know how we're designed as a human, and I think we have a a visual to kind of pop up and and show that, um, just so that we can understand a little bit more about factory design. So we hear spirit, soul, and body all the time, but maybe we haven't really ever had an opportunity to know what that looks like. So spirit is our life, our breath. It is God breathing inside of us. It is what continues to live even after this does not live any longer. Mm. That's important. That is what spiritual reconciliation is. That is what scripture is about to bring that into life and have the power of the Holy Spirit versus just a human spirit that still has the breath of God, but maybe not an awareness, not a pursuit of, not a reconciliation. Very important, obviously, but that's a part of us. Then we have a body, and it's pretty obvious. We can see, you know, we're not just a spirit walking around, moving around. We can see what our bodies are like, but where I think we get tripped up, especially with the self-care component, because self-care is not selfish. When we understand this and we understand the motivation for service and love and giving, you'll understand self-care isn't selfish. So our soul is our thoughts and our emotions, and our choices. And that's kind of a separate but equal part of who we are. 
Yeah. It's not like I can poke and know exactly where that soul is, but it's our thoughts and it's our emotions. And from that, we have our choices. Yeah. And so we have to have permission to understand that. If we were raised in some kind of a, a culture and, and the language was shame, hmm. then we can have an experience with Jesus. We can be moving towards knowing him more fully. But if we have only learned shame, then it's going to take us a while to learn a different language. Wow, that that's sense? really good. That's really good. Yeah. So what does it look like then? Uh, just kind of follow up. This was not necessarily where we were going next, but we, we did talk about this idea like, if we're created in the image of God, and, and so all of these pieces, body, soul, spirit, like we're created, we're the Imago Dei, right? What does that look like as we're, as we're talking about self-care and really finding health individually? Does that look like, are we doing more in our growth to God and worshiping God? I mean, how does that work if we're created in the image of God and we're striving towards a healthier version of ourselves? What does that look like in spiritual context? I think it's all of it. For yeah. example, um, Scripture says, take captive every thought. Hmm doesn't tell you how to do it. You know? <laughs> Don't you wish it would? <laughs> it yeah. Um, you know, it, it, we're supposed to, like, change the oil in our car. That doesn't make that evil or different. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes with emotional health, we feel like we're changing the oil in our car while it's going down Interstate 575. Yeah, that's Real good. Tricky. That's Real good. Tricky. And so it, we, we have to have that kind of an awareness and that kind of component. So if we get nothing else from today except for to have permission to feel what you feel and think what you think, because God created emotion. That's good. That's is, really good. Emotion is not good or bad. Emotion is signal. Yeah. It's a signal saying, whoa, 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 something's going on. Something's going on. Some of them feel better than others. Yeah. Let me, let's be clear. Yeah, right? sure. But they're just signals. And then we engage our brain. We engage our emotion. We engage our choices. We engage prayer and meditation. Hmm. But not only prayer and meditation. Because this is how, how the sneaky enemy wants to do. The sneaky enemy wants to say, okay, well, you prayed about it. Yeah. You're not feeling any better. Yeah. You're not That's holding right. your hands right. You're not praying right. Evidently, you are not godly enough. That's right. And, and we need to solve emotionally, cognitively, our thoughts, and we need to solve spiritually. And it needs to all come together in a very holistic approach. That's good, man. That's so helpful. Because I know for the last... I mean, again, this is, this is not a new problem. Right. This is since the beginning of humanity that they, we, we read in Scripture so many of the wrestling matches that they had, whether it was a mental, emotional, spiritual battle. But I do feel like, and just this is, I'm not a counselor, I always give that caveat, but as a pastor, over the last, let's call it 20 months, mm -hmm. since you know the first quarter of 2020 and COVID, and then it was masks, and then it was vaccines, and it was political stuff and racial tension, and I mean, a, a variety of issues that there, it seems like there are more visual or maybe we're more aware of so many of the outside pressures that have created extra stress on people. Mm -hmm. And so what, it, what does that look like from a counseling perspective? What do you see in scripture that's really been unearthed in people, whether it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just over the last year and a half plus? Absolutely. We're battle fatigued. Yeah. Um, it, it, we're, we're weary with it. You know, we, 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 we want control over things, and, and having a control over certain things is a good thing, yeah. being able to use our gifts and talents. But this has, this has been long-term, you know, and I have people come in my office daily that are just like, I just feel eh, hmm. you know, I just feel eh. 
you know, I don't feel happy. I don't necessarily feel sad. There is a greater rise in anxiety and fear and those sorts of things because we don't know. We've never lived here before. Mm. And unfortunately, the media is fear, fear, fear based. That's right. Every single thing. That's right. You know, you're supposed to brush your hair this much. You're supposed to brush your teeth. If you don't, you're going to do this. And if you don't, you're. And then all of our leaders are bickering. Yeah. You know, regardless of what a person feels is their political affiliation or their leadership thing, everybody is just bickering. Hmm. Just bickering. And that just gets so old. Yeah. It's not a dialogue. It's a soundbite competition. Wow. And so what that does, we're affected by that. You know, if we, if we, even if we try and have some level of retreat from that, it's just this onslaught. And that has given a great rise to hopelessness hmm. and uncertainty and fear and anxiety from children to middle schoolers, a rise in middle school suicide attempts, different things, hopelessness, because they don't know the world that we're mm. going to be living in. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, there was a Harvard Business Review article written in March of 2020, and it was an excellent article, but the, the title said, this discomfort that you feel is grief. Mm. And so it's important to understand that because we're grieving maybe our economic stability, maybe just in our families or feeling this global situation, what's going on. We, we had things lined out for our lives. We're not sure about that. Yep. You know, we're all going through this in the same time, but in vastly different ways. That's good. Some families have been destroyed by certain things. Some families have not. Everybody is feeling that, but the way a person is walking through it is very individual. I talked last week a little bit. I don't want to re-preach that sermon, but if you missed it, you can go catch the podcast. I, I did talk a little bit last week about that idea where it, it's kind of revealed what we put our hope in. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last year and a half or so, it, we've kind of, it, it's exposed our hopes. Like, did we hope in economic stability or did we hope in a certain political party or, or the other? Did we hope in, you know, whatever? Mm-hmm. And what's happened is we, we maybe felt like in the midst of all the uncertainty that we lost Jesus, but scripture tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word you used or that Harvard Business Review used was yeah. grief. Mm-hmm. But Second Corinthians tells us we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Like, exactly. we have a hope in the midst of this grieving. And so it doesn't minimize what we're feeling, but it does give us an anchor in the midst of all of that to kind of recenter to. So I, I love that idea of, of grief and, and recognizing that, and even our emotions as kind of triggers of, of what mm-hmm. we're feeling. So you referenced some phrases a second ago, and, you, and we've used some terms. We've used fear, worry, anxiety, hopelessness. Uh, I may have said uncertainty, but I'm being repetitive perhaps. Like all of those things, they're, they're not all the same, but so often we use them interchangeably. So can you help define for us what some of those terms mean and how they may differ from one another so that maybe it helps us to articulate what we're feeling a little better and we don't use a word that doesn't actually explain what we're feeling? Sure. Absolutely. It's important, again, to know spirit, soul, and body. So in our body, when we're feeling excitement, you know, we've met somebody new, we're going on a date for the first time, maybe we made a sports team, this, that, you know, what's going on in our brain is the same chemical, the exact same chemical that happens when we're feeling anxious. Hmm. And so it's, it's important to give ourselves permission to feel what we feel and think what we think and then assess that. Yeah. So, you know, the different things like a panic attack and an anxiety attack, those are kind of interchangeable. Sure. Sometimes those don't even come in until things have calmed down. Hmm. Wow. And, and that really catches people off guard. If we can look at a trigger and we can say, okay, you know, this happened. And so, yeah, I had the clammy hands and my heart was beating and, you know, things were just crazy and I didn't know what to do. And I just had all this adrenaline going on. 
we can kind of understand that, but our culture doesn't have a lot of activity like we used to. Yeah. And so what happens is we can be sitting there and all of this is happening and we're not going to like run a mile away from a white tiger or something like that. You right. know, this right. is where emotion is good. Yeah. This is where fear is good. And so maybe it's like a horse, right? And all of a sudden they're startled and they run 30 feet over there across the arena and they look back and it's just a public's bag, right? <laughs> it's like, good. oh, okay, so I'll go back over there. That'll be yeah. cool. That kind of a thing. Um, I think what happens with us is we, we haven't been taught that skill set, so we don't know what we don't know. We don't pop out of the womb knowing these things. That's right. And so having the ability to understand what the different components are, and there can be kind of primary emotions and then secondary emotions. Hmm. So throw back to the grief statement, that has a component of denial and fear and anger, different things. Angering is a good skill. Right. But as Christians, we're like, ooh, I'm not going to get angry, right? Be angry, sin not. Yeah. That's a good skill. Be angry, sin not. Yeah. Don't rush to forgiveness. Don't rush to any of those things. Give yourself an opportunity to feel what you feel and think what you think. If something has happened in your life and it's worth being angry about, some of the atrocities that happen inside and outside of families, if we skim over that, we are denying our own worth. Wow. This is a part of the love your neighbor as yourself. If I am wounded, if I am, if I am beaten, if I am abused, there is a window when I need to say that was wrong That's and right. that hurt. That's right. And that is not okay. And that person will never be able to do that to me again. And, and we pause there. We're not going to stay there. That's right. But if we don't pause there, if we rush to do whatever we think is the right thing to do, we will carry that with us much longer than necessary. Hmm. Sometimes we need somebody to walk through that with. You know, yeah. we, need, we need a professional that can ask the right questions or we just kind of shove it down like all these emotions in a cup. And if I have hurt and anger and abuse and fear and uncertainty, then I'm very limited as to the positive emotion that I could have in that cup. Wow. So it's not that we're, I mean, the world's fallen. We're going to have stuff happen. That's but right. it's in understanding how to unpack it that we have the ability to move through it. That's super helpful. I, I've shared with you before, obviously. I, I, had a, I had one panic attack in my whole life, and it was because <laughs> I had suppressed all of these things. Mm -hmm. And it was much after the event. It was much after I felt like I had dealt with the emotions sure. and I hadn't actually dealt with them. I had just pushed them down and tried to lay all this stuff on top of it. Mm -hmm. And then once I really kind of through the triggering of that event, it all, I cried for like four hours. My wife thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought, I told her I was dying. But the idea was that that really started the get it out of me phase mm -hmm. that allowed me to walk through a journey of just getting some of that out of me so that I had a place to put more positive emotions and mm -hmm. the things that the Lord could do in my heart. That, that's incredible. That's, mm -hmm. that's great permission for so many of us because I know just, just in the journey that I've walked with several of you, just the idea of, man, so many of us don't pause right. to feel what we feel. And then others of us, we pause and we don't move past it. Like once we've dealt with it, we don't have anybody walking with us to make sure that we don't live there. That's yes. not the place we're supposed to live. We feel it and then we move forward. But so many of us, we either get stuck there or yes. we move past, we blow past it. And so I think what you're sharing is, is, is huge for so many of us. Absolutely. And the enemy wants to keep us in shame. Wow. That's the part of steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. So there's a huge difference between conviction and shame, hmm. especially with things that we've walked into. You know, maybe we've made some poor choices. Who hasn't, right? Yeah. So what the enemy wants to do is say, you're bad. Hmm. That's a permeating, you're just bad. You're not worth anything. You're bad. 
And so for that individual, they're going to feel like they're not worthy to come into church. They're going to be scared to come and be around Christians, you know, because those people might be holier. They might be walking longer, you know, that kind of a thing. So even being around people can be fearful. Hmm. But, but shame is always of the enemy. So yeah. if you ever feel that way, that's always of the enemy. What Jesus does is exactly as you spoke of recently, what he does with the lady that was actually caught in the act of adultery. Hmm. He put his arm around her and he was like, sweetie, yeah. no, yeah. this isn't effective for you. Yeah. So conviction always has specific behaviors attached and a way through it. That's good. That's it's really very good. important to know those differences because going back to the, you know, if you're bilingual, if you have been raised or, you know, if the enemy has really got that inner critic going inside of you, then that's all you know. You don't even understand. Like if you were raised in Brazil, you're going to speak Portuguese as your first language, probably. Right. And so giving ourselves the ability to understand that the work has been done spiritually and we might have to walk out a few things psychologically. Yeah. That's totally okay because our thoughts... If they have been detrimental, they're going to remain detrimental yeah. until we learn different. That's good. We can um, post some resources, too. Yeah. We, we talked about Dr. Daniel Amen is a Christian psychiatrist, um, Dr. Caroline Leaf as well, so many different things. Brene Brown has done a ton of research, and what bubbles up is one of the greatest struggles we have is shame. So what Daniel Amen did as far as he created a method. So here's take captive every thought, scriptural, absolutely sound. So what we need is good sound theology and good sound psychology. Dr. Daniel Amen, of all the 400 plus thousand people he has researched, there's about nine different species of ants, which is automatic negative thoughts. It happens faster than you can breathe. When we can recognize the nine different kind, we can kind of say, okay, which are my four or five go-tos? Hmm. Then we can begin to slow that down, assign a species, and then speak truth to it. That's good. That's good. So uh, we'll put some of those resources. We'll, we'll post those on our website and, and make sure that you have those because I, I, the automatic negative thought, I mean, man, we can go there quick. I guess that's why it's called automatic. Absolutely. Right? You I mean, don't we, even know we, you're doing we it. We get there and then being able to label that, call it what it is, and then speak the truth of the word of God to that. Um, what a powerful, powerful thing. All right. So scripture, if we're talking about scripture for a second, scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. And so if we're struggling with fear, it also says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Like, what does it feel like? What does it look like for a follower of Jesus Christ to be afraid or to, to be worried about something? Like, how, how do you combat that according to Scripture? And, mm -hmm. and what does that look like for you? For me, it looks like, again, the pause. Because, you know, if, if all of a sudden I have this adrenaline, I'm afraid, and I look around, if there's actually a white tiger or yeah. somebody, I need to run. Yeah, absolutely. I need to do that. If I'm feeling that and I don't know what it is, then I need to pause and look at that. And what I mean by that is that we have come through stuff. Maybe we haven't been through a pandemic. Maybe we haven't had the exact things that are in our way right now. But if my understanding is correct in Scripture, the, the perfect love cast out fear means mature, yeah, sure. right? That's right? So the mature love is one, I think, that embraces the blend of the psychology and all of those things. You know, I have these beautiful children and, and grandchildren now. And so if, if they come running into my room and they're scared to death, I'm not going to shame them because they're afraid. Hmm. You know, if uh, my, my youngest little Alana, she's pulling up and trying to walk. And so if she's doing that and she stumbles, I'm not going to say, Alana, come on. Right. Get with it. 
Yeah. You're eight months old. Yeah. Walk across the room, right. for goodness sake. <laughs> Unrealistic. You know, come yeah. on. That's right. You know, That's overachiever. Right. But, but it's in understanding those. So for if, if, if a little one comes in the room and they're scared, then we scoop them up. And if it's, we were traveling last weekend and, and it was a dark room, and so for a second, Evander didn't know anybody else was in the room. And then his daddy spoke to him. He goes, I mean, he went from this blood-curdling scream to, mm, hi, daddy. Yeah. Changed. That's right. Because he knew he was covered. That's good. And so, again, this is an example of feel what you feel without shame. Just mm. feel it. Yeah. And then talk to somebody or get the encouragement, and we can have the scripture and understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The other thing that I would also offer is that we've been through other stuff before. That's right. And so when we can look back on our own resiliency, that we've been through some tough stuff, we may not know how to get through this, but we look back and we know we've gotten through that. That's that and that's been there since Genesis. That's right. You know, um, Jesus cried when Lazarus died. He felt that so that his testimony was true for us. Yeah. He didn't say, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise him in a minute. Yeah. He, his heart broke because he saw Mary and Martha in the village and the family, and it, his heart broke. Yeah. So number one, I think it's important with the fear aspect to, to understand that emotion is in, our, is in our design. That's right. He put it there. No shame for emotion. And then we can look back. There's five resiliency factors. You hear of people that come through tough stuff. And this person bounces back. And this person, you know, they just kind of never get through it. You, you've heard yep. those stories. So for the resiliency, one is that they're more likely to seek help. The second one is that they feel that they have the skill to manage their emotion and their thoughts. Mm. They may not know how in that moment, but they know that they can. And then lastly, this I'm picking out the top three, is yeah. that social support. Yeah. You know, so when we're having fear, find out what it's about. Is it warranted? That's you know, good. is it is it warranted? And then have an action plan. Do you need a, a protective order against somebody? Have you been beaten up by yeah. somebody? Then we're gonna do the legal things. That's and right. we're going to do the right things, but, but it's, it might be warranted. That's good. So <clears throat> one of those resiliency factors that you talked about was the, the social piece. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's people sitting here today. I'm assuming that there would be people watching online. And they go, man, this was good. Like, Dr. Amy's super smart, and Jeremy's as charming as ever. That's no, right. Okay. But, <laughs> um, but they would say, like, I don't really identify with what you guys are talking about. I'm not walking through that right now. I don't feel that. But there is someone that I know and love that is. Mm -hmm. It's a family member. It's a friend. It's a coworker. And, man, all of what you're describing, it's like that's where they're living right now. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody about how to support them, how to encourage them, how to be that kind of social circle as they're trying to navigate what it is that they're walking through right now? I think absolutely it's maintain relationship with them in whatever our role is. Yeah. So if you're a friend, if you're a parent, if you're a sibling, whatever those things would be, if they ask for your advice. Yeah. If you're invited, yeah. then speak. Hmm. And that's really hard. It is. When we love people and they're hurting, and maybe we've been through something or we want to provide resources for them, yep. we want to help them. Maybe they're not yet ready for that change. Maybe the change is more frightening yeah. than whatever they're going through. So emotions need to metabolize, yep. kind of like a fizzy, bubbly water, right? Yeah. They need to just do their thing, and they need to be able to come up so that we can understand them and we can think through it. So if you have a friend or family member, if you're too afraid to even, you know, come into the sanctuary, there are so many different things that you can read where you can find help. So stay in relationship and love people where they are. Yep. 
if they invite you, get them all the resources in the world, and prayer is planting seeds. That is that powerful part of our spirituality yeah. that as much as we love them, God loves them even more. We don't even understand. That's awesome. And so we can pray. There's a thing I do in my head. And, and so it's, you know, it's kind of like a pushing it all in. You know, there's some visualization I do in my head because obviously I care and love about people, love people. Yeah. But, but when there's something going on, especially with my family, you know, that's close to my heart. And so I, I pray through that, and I pray for all the resources, even if it isn't me. Yeah. Let it be whoever it needs to be. And then you kind of try and push that, those people that are close to your heart into whatever they need to do. And then if they ask them, because we don't know when they're going to be ready for it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Okay. So I think <clears throat> what, what I hear for all of us that are in the room, those watching online, is if this is something you're walking through, don't isolate obviously lean into resource and relationship and the word of God and identify those things get some help and then for those that may have a friend or family member somebody that you love that's walking through this don't allow them to isolate they may not want help right now they may not want the resources that you could provide or the great wisdom that you could speak but just stay close and be in relationship and and then when you feel that open door you hear that from them then you can you can step into that with as much help as that you can provide here's what you need to know about us as a church we don't want you to walk this alone. And so if this is something that today you, I mean, you absolutely know, man, this is where I'm living right now. We want you to know that we love you. We care for you. I mean, we're, we, we want to uh, help you navigate and walk through what it is that you're walking through. And so we want to be a resource to you. We, we want to help you not just in something like this, but we're going to post some resources on our website through our social media channels this week. We've also got a counseling resource sheet that's available at the Information Center today. If you want to go there and just grab that, you can do that. Uh, if you're not comfortable going there, you can email us at prayerg.church or you can go to our website, click on this Need Counseling link, and you can get some resources that way. So there's a ton of ways that we want to try to get those things into your hands. But we also believe in the power of prayer. We, we believe that counseling is a great resource. We want you to utilize that. We heavily encourage that. But we also believe in the power of prayer. So at the same time, we want to complement that with the work of God. And God will work through your counselor. But we also want God to work through the prayer of the church and the elders and your G team and your G group leaders. And Because we don't want you to get stuck in a place that God has already destined you to move through. And we read earlier about King Nebuchadnezzar from Daniel chapter 4. And it said, you know, that all of the dream had come to pass and he was, you know, he was out in the field and he was letting his hair grow out and letting his nails grow out and he was foaming at the mouth and all of these various things that we see. But that's not where he stayed. In verse 36 of Daniel chapter 4, it says this. It says, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my hope and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. I believe for everybody in the room, everybody that you're connected to, that what is to be is greater than what has been. And so whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever you feel like you have been walking through, that God can restore you to the place that he desires you to be. So don't walk this journey by yourself and don't allow those that you know and love to walk this journey by themselves either. Again, there's resources at the Information Center today. You can go to our website and get some of that. But we wanna pray. And we want to just seek the Lord today together. We've already done that in a couple of places for different reasons throughout our service. But the first thing that we want to do, we always do this, is offer you the opportunity to enter into relationship with Jesus if that's not something you've ever done. 
Or maybe you would do what we call a recommitment. You, you may have prayed a prayer at some point in your past, but you know you've done your very best to walk as far away from God as humanly possible. You just say today, God, I want to recommit my life to you. I ask you to forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. And you put a stake in the ground. There's no turning back. And so we want to give you that chance. We'll give you that opportunity to respond in a minute. But today, if maybe what we've talked about, some part of that resonates with you, we want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand today. I'm not going to ask you to respond in that way. But I would encourage you, even what we talked about earlier, that we're set free by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I would find someone to talk to, a friend, a family member, a counselor, uh, an elder that may be standing out in the lobby today, or someone else that you know and love. Just get somebody to walk this journey with you so that we can all recognize that we're in this together. Life together really is better. And God uses these social circles, these relationships to bring freedom. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to just bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment as we pray. And today, if you are choosing to respond to Jesus for salvation, you say, hey, I need him to be my forgiver, the forgiver of my sins, but also the Lord of my life. I wanna give you that opportunity. I would ask you to respond. Just lift your hand today. Say, hey, that's me. If you're in the room, if not, you're online. Just respond in the chat. Let us know. We wanna pray for you. And then today, I'm not gonna ask you to lift your hand for this, but if you would say to me, you know what, Jeremy, I, I know I need, I need God to intervene in the circumstances of my life, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, the, the things that have been shared today, man, I resonate with that. We wanna pray for you and we want you to know you are not walking this alone. God, we love you today and we thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to be in a place like this and to go to your word and to hear from great wisdom. And God, we thank you for Dr. Amy and the wisdom and the education, the experience that's led her to this place, her heart for you. But God, we also thank you for the opportunity just to dig into your word and to dig into greater understanding and knowledge about who we are and who you've created us to be. And so God, I pray now for every person who's acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, would you forgive their sins and be their Lord as they put the stake in the ground to say, I'm deciding to follow Jesus, no turning back. God, we thank you for the decisions that are being made today. And God, now I pray for every person that may be walking through something right now that just feels overwhelming. They feel like they've lost their sense of self, maybe like King Nebuchadnezzar there in Daniel chapter four. God, would you help them to be restored back to greater senses of health in their physical body, their, their minds, their emotion, their spiritual being. God, we thank you that you can do that work. God, I pray that they would not isolate, but they would lean into relationship and that God, you would help them to find the freedom that they seek and the health that they desire. And God, I pray for everyone else in this room or those watching online that you would help us to be the kind of friend that those around us need for a variety of reasons in all seasons of life. Help us, God, to be the community, to be better together as we do life with one another. And God, will give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.